We do want to welcome you to this week's podcast of Live Transform. This is episode number 159. It's your favorite one. Mm-hmm. It's going to be your favorite one. <laughs> because today is my favorite day. <laughs> because what day is it? It's today. It's That's right. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday is a memory. Tomorrow is a dream. Yeah, exactly. You, you, know, you know the Pooh Bear one, right? When he's saying, Christopher uh-huh. Robin, what day is it? And he goes... Well, Winnie, it's today. And he goes, oh, that's my favorite day. <laughs> hey, there you go. See, I, I would have been a great Pooh Bear. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I love Pooh Bear. Today is a good day. I, I love seeing both of you and mm-hmm. uh, being together. I uh, love, love, love being able to do these podcasts mm-hmm. and be able to share them with you. Absolutely. And again, thank you. A listener, you know, for making this journey, making, taking yeah. and making the investment, uh, as well, sharing the podcast with others. And there are, you know, supplementary resources. And I just need, I really want to just remind you of that, uh, that at impact ministry, at impactministries.com, you can go there. Dr. Richards has, you know, just so many resources uh, that would help you as well. You can take a look at livetransform.com as well. And uh, Jim, there is one particular book. I think uh, it was one of your earlier ones, but it, you had a, a new revision. It's just kind of been updated just yeah. a little bit. And that is taking the limits off God. I think that would be yeah. you know, helpful uh, to well, the listeners here. What's really been updated is the audio series. Okay. Oh, okay. You know, the, the book is not the book. I, you know, the book is short. Taking the limits off God to me is like if you want to give somebody a book that's really peripheral. Yep. But open to reading something. This is like the ideal book. It's only 70, 80, 90 pages, something like that. Uh, but man, it, it it introduces people in an incredibly positive way to this concept of of removing the limits that we that we have placed okay. on God, but the audio, but the audio series, series brand is new. It is, yeah. I just recorded it. It is six messages of of how to end this thing of limiting God in your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you, you know, stop and think about it. <clears throat> really, almost every prayer that Christians pray is really saying. It's almost like saying it's. It's almost like opening your prayer with God. First of all, I want you to know you're a liar. <laughs> and here's what it. I'm. At, and here's what I'm telling Stop you. I want it. you to do. No, it it, abs- it absolutely is. You, you're, you're, you're a liar, liar. And this is what I need you to do. Yeah, and, and this is what I need you to do. And and you know, I'm not really. I'm not really expecting you to really do this. But uh, but you know, I'm pretty sure you're a liar. So. Um, uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of leave it there until you prove to me that you're you're something else. Wow. Now you say, well, no, I would never, ever, ever call. God yeah, a liar. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure all the people that are listening are just reeling. You know, like never. Why would I ever? But because of what religion has taught us about God, we're always asking God to do something for us as if he hadn't already taken care of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like, like, you know, Jesus, what he did at the cross is called the finished work. 
finished kind of means finished. <laughs> kind of. I know it's real complicated. I know that, that, that you got, you got, you know, do really, you got, it, hey, wait, do you got the Greek on that? Yeah, it means. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not really endorsing drug use, but I think if more Christians would just drop acid and read the Bible, maybe they would hallucinate their way into some into some reality that's beyond religion. Because <laughs> here's the deal. All right, God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now, this is one of those scriptures where you're like, okay. Uh, if that's true, if the Bible is true, and if, if that's true, then how am I praying? Why am I asking God to do things then that Jesus already did at the cross through the death, burial, and resurrection, and that mm -hmm. God's already freely made available to me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because if I'm going to him asking him to do something, there's one thing, I mean, you know, to some degree, we're just going because we're ignorant and don't read the Bible and don't trust God and don't believe God to tell us anything, don't believe we can learn anything. So let some other moron read it for us and tell us his version of it. Right. Now, moron, that's one of those Greek You're, words. He's in a mood. I am in a mood. I mean, this, this gets me. This Jim, gets Jim's me wait, in the ready mood. ready for lunch. Yeah, yeah. Remember, the ultimate Luciferian, in other words, satanically inspired religious lie in the entire world is that God is not good and only good, so you really can't trust, trust him. Trust him, right. And so that all starts with exactly what happened in the garden where God already made Adam and Eve in his likeness and already gave them everything they needed for life and godliness. And, you know, and so the serpent comes and said, well, you know, if, if God, you know, really... If you did this, you really would be like God. What, what? You mean I'm not like God? So immediately they begin, okay, so this is something that God said he has already done. But, you know, this little wormy little serpent, you always think, sometimes I think the, the, the serpent, probably he probably wasn't a cobra. He probably wasn't a black mamba. He probably wasn't even a rattlesnake. He was probably like an earthworm. <laughs> this, this, this little earthworm crawls up out of the dirt <laughs> and says, ah, you know, you can't trust that. You can't trust that creator, yeah. God. Yeah. yeah, no credibility. And then the, then, the, then the philosophy that surrounds this is the philosophy that says God is in control of everything. The creator God is in control of everything. So if there is war, if there's hunger, if there's suffering, if there's pain, if there's abuse in the world, then since God is in control of everything, then he is obviously not good because if he was good, he wouldn't let this stuff happen. Hmm. That is based on the fact that we do not believe we're creating the likeness of the image of God. Therefore, we cannot believe that we have authority on planet Earth and authority, or, or excuse me, planet Earth has become what, Man, the part of mankind who has the power wanted it to become. So there we are. And so that means every time I say, God, I, I, just, Jesus, would you just, just, just this time, would you just this time, would you heal me? And Jesus is like, you know, I, I kind of like carried your sickness and disease like uh, 2,000 years ago. I'm not doing it again. Right. 
Right. I mean, you know, if I've already done this for you and I've offered it to you for free and you don't believe it, what else can I do? Right, right. So, you know, today <clears throat> in moving into how good, how good we have it mm-hmm. and how good we can have it. Yes. I want to talk about an unlimited God, an unlimited world, an unlimited creation, and limitless power. Woo. Oh, man, wow. that makes me, that makes me want to that makes me want to dance around the Yes, room like that's a, a happy robot. dance right there. Yeah. <laughs> How could we actually have it? I mean, that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. And so, um, how good we have it and how good we can have it. So, so how do we start this? Like, how do we get into understanding and just shaking us out of our belief systems where we don't feel like it's already done or already finished? That's what I'm I just like where do we start on this? Um, we're gonna, I'll tell you where we're going to start. We're going to start at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be sneaky. We're going to be so sneaky. We're going to be we're gonna, so sneaky. We're going to start at the beginning. We're going to fool everybody. We're going to mess everybody up. But guaranteed, we'll lay a foundation here for you. Yes. So Absolutely. It's okay. And, and yeah, this, this week, you know, without the foundation, remember, Almost everybody has the information about healing. Almost right. everybody has the information about prosperity. Almost everybody has the inform- every believer has the information about peace. Everybody has the information, mm-hmm. but the problem is they don't have the foundation. Yes. And so they take, I always call it this. We attempt to build skyscrapers on mud puddles. Right. The, you know, the bigger the structure the greater the foundation has to be. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, if we're going to get into all these lofty concepts of an incredible life of, of uh, like I said, peace and joy and healing and, 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 you know, God, the, the resources of heaven being available to us, if we're going to build that weighty of a building, mm-hmm. we better have yeah, that foundation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We better have that context. We better have that foundation Absolutely. and that, yes, I love it. Now, now we touched on this. Well, actually, before I before I even go into that part, let me just say this. Yeah. This, you know, we talked about how that the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, crossing the uh, the Red Sea, going up to Sinai, mm-hmm. making the journey through the wilderness, winning these battles as, uh, as they went, and then cr- then crossing the Jordan and going into Canaan and having all this provision. That that is our that is our type. Yes. And, and in First Corinthians ten, Paul says, "This is where you better be looking if you want to understand what's going on. If you want to understand your journey, then all of this was written up to us upon whom the end of the ages has come. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So there, the only reason this is recorded in the Bible is for us. Wow. It didn't need to be recorded for any other reason. So all of this is recorded for us. Now, so. When we when we look at this journey, you know I can see the the religious legalists picking the children of Israel apart and finding all their flaws and you know all their little sins, and just you know and and and, and then picking us apart about having you know we gotta we gotta solve all these little sin problems that we got so that you know so that God'll love us enough to finally you know, uh, uh, help us out and and give us this stuff that he said he's already given us, you know, and, but, but the reality of it is this, God did not withhold anything from the children of Israel. 
God never stopped leading them. He never stopped protecting them. But God can only do for us that which we will allow him to do by harmonizing with him and, and trusting and following him. And so <clears throat> one of the greatest takeaways I get from what happened to the children of Israel is, is, is this. And it's recorded in Psalm 78. I love Psalm 78. I'm telling you, I've, mm-hmm. I've read this hundreds of times and meditated on it. Well, Psalm 78, it makes it really clear that there was one reason that they did not enter into the promised land. They limited God. Wow. They limited what they would let so God do. So one reason, no. one reason. Yeah, there was no God. other reason. It wasn't because that they struggled with sin. It wasn't because they struggled with their personal issues. You know what I mean? It wasn't because they got weary on the journey. And it definitely wasn't because God wanted them out in the wilderness. You know, Moses and God talked about the fact that the children of Israel coming into the promised land reflected directly on his witness in the world. And, the, and, hmm. and that if he couldn't deliver this promise, then... then People would never trust him as a God. I mean, his reputation was on the line as far as the children, just like he was with us. You know, listen, when I get sick and my mind, I mean, I don't feel condemned about it, but my mind's like, wait a minute. You know, I, I've preached the healing power of God. I've seen all these miracles. So God's reputation as a healer mm-hmm. is at stake in how I handle this. Hmm. It's no different. You know, any promise that I do not let come to fruition in my life, but on some level, it's not quite as you know as as crucial. But but it's no different than me being a preacher and going out here and commit adultery. It reflects on who people believe God is. If I get broke and stay broke, then I, then I'm I'm reflecting on God's reputation negatively. If I get sick and stay sick, by the way, and we talked about this just a few minutes ago, but about ten weeks on here. About 10 weeks ago, you know, I told you guys that I'd conquered chronic fatigue. And listen, right. I'm almost 70 years old. People my age never conquer chronic fatigue. I don't know if I've ever met anybody my age that came out. As a matter of fact, I don't even know what the numbers are, but the percentage of people, because technically I have Of chronic, any age. Yeah, I mean, at any it, age. Yeah. I, I bet you less than 30 or 40% of the people that ever get chronic fatigue ever, ever pull out of it. But technically, I had chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia because mm-hmm. I had all of the pain issues that people with fibromyalgia have. I mean, I'm telling you, I hurt all the time, and it moved you know, every day. It moved to some different part of my body. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know, this happened as a result of me being in an automobile accident and getting messed up and the drugs that they gave me to keep me from dying. Right, you know? right, right. So, so it wasn't like I just went out here and lived like a fool or something. And so... And so it was a long journey. It was a long journey for me just to get to where I could think clear enough to sort this stuff out and walk, you know, hear, hear the voice of God. I mean, I always felt the peace of God. I always knew, everybody that knew me knew from the beginning, I'm not going to stay here. Mm-hmm. I am. I, I can't, I was thinking today about at least two doctors that said I was being idealistic, that I was in denial, that I just didn't want to own up to the truth. When I said, look, I'm not going to stay here. I'm, I am. And, you know, and they would look at me and they said, there is no cure for diabetes. Th- this is genetic. This hasn't, you know, you have no control over this. You'll never get rid of this. There is no cure for it. And I, I looked both of them in the eye and said, you know something? Uh, all I need is a miracle. And I know how to get miracles. And I don't know how long it's going to take me to walk this out. I 
will not stay here. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and you know, I, I think I told you the story once. One of my daughters, because one of the times I said that was when I basically kind of regained consciousness after being in something, it wasn't a coma, but it was almost like being in a coma where I'd been yeah. unconscious for so long. And the doctor was there and he was standing there, man. He was, a, his self-righteous self was telling me, how, you know, uh, this is what your life is going to be. And I said, no, it's not. Wow. No, it's not. No, it's I, not. I, I have seen the end and I know what the end is going to be. And he looked at my <laughs> daughter sitting there at the bedside beside of me and said, and he said, you know, he, he your, your dad's, I remember if he said Delirious. hallucinating yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he said, you know, he, you know he, he's not dealing with reality here. Well, you know, as of, as of last week, my blood sugar is normal. Wow. And, you know, I'm, and I'm having those days where, where you know, uh, I get up at, so actually, actually, last week I, I had a really full day. So I, I got up and went to work at one fifteen in the morning wow. and, work, and worked until 5 o'clock the next day. Wow. Now that's, that's, that's you can't incredible. do that in no. chronic fatigue. Now no. I'm not going to do that every day because that'd be an abuse of my body. Right. <clears throat> but part of what drives me in this is not just that I want to be healed. I want to be healed largely because I got a purpose. I don't mind dying. I mean, honestly, dying would be like, okay, man, this is a break from life. I'll take right. it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> right. But, but number one, I got a purpose. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, when you got a purpose, a divine Sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. You have something in you that says, "Okay, uh, I'm. I can't be done yet. I'm yep. not. It's not ready to be over." And so my sense of purpose has always driven me. But there's a second thing that always drives me. And that's this: God's reputation, to some degree, and in the in the, in the part of the world where I have influence, is at stake in yes. whether or not I make it to the promised land. Yes. Not heaven, but right. heaven on earth. Yes. Yes. And so we all need to live our life. I'm not talking about being condemned. I'm not talking about being under a negative pressure. It'd be like this. I, I care about how people see my wife. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything I possibly can so that people know the very best things about her. I'm going to do everything I can so that people know all the reasons why I love her and what a good wife that she's been to me. I want, I want people to view her positive. When you love and value somebody, you, you want to protect them and their reputation and, and yes. that sort of thing. And you also want to defend them when they're misrepresented. Like, oh, yeah. I, I think that's what, what I really feel about, you know, God with purpose. It was just interesting. Last week we were talking um, with my mom and dad around the table and, you know, just talking about spiritual things. And they said, well, you know, um, you know what you're passionate about when it's <coughs> the things that get you mad. And I went, well, I don't know if I get mad. And then I went, no, there's a few things. And that's probably when God is misrepresented. Yeah. When God, oh, yeah. when God is misrepresented and even Christianity and Jesus. And, um, you know, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm just going to say oh. it. I don't know if it'll be offensive to someone, but we were driving down the street after an event last weekend and there was a street preacher that was just yelling oh, yeah. at everyone at the red light saying, if you don't get your, your, yourself right with God, you're going to go to hell. And this fear yelling at oh, people yeah. and everything in me just got so sad and I went, wow. And I said to our son, Robert, I said, that really saddens me. Sure. You know, he's really out there. He's probably there for wanting to do a good thing, you know, but he's misrepresenting the love and the invitation that Jesus yeah. gives us into a place of, of safety and no, forgiveness. No, I, I hate it when I, when I see people misrepresenting. Oh. And the reason I hate it, I mean, I hate it because I love God. Yeah. But I, but I hate it because 
You, you know, in the, in when the Bible talks about God's extreme, passionate hatred for wickedness, mm-hmm. you know, I can remember as a new believer reading that and just and and listening to what preachers said. I thought, man, this means if I don't get every little issue out of my life, then I'm then I'm falling into this category, you know, of, of these things that God hates. Well, the reality of it is this. We all struggle with the flesh. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, if you're born again, this is not a struggle with the sin nature versus the righteous nature. This is right. a struggle with how you think and whether or not you'll seek gratification and fulfillment through God or through the flesh. That's right. it. Right. That's it. And so everybody struggles with the flesh. As long as we're in this body, we will we have, have to deal flesh. with the flesh. Yes. The wickedness that God so violently hates is primarily two sources politicians and religious leaders, because mm-hmm. those are the people who influence how other people see God. And ah. so that person that takes it upon themselves to go out and stand on street corners and say, I'm going to influence people about God, they are putting themselves in that category of the things that God hates worse than anything, and that is the person who goes out there and misrepresents God. Yeah. As a matter of fact, one of the one of the interesting typologies in the journey of the children of Israel from Egypt to Canaan was when Moses did not get to enter the promised land. Now, remember, in typology, you don't take every all, it's sort of like a, a parable. You, you don't take every single point in the parable and make it a doctrine. Right. It, all, it always brings you down to certain It's a big picture. Yeah. yeah, to a big picture. Yeah. Well, stop and think about why. What did Moses do? What was Moses' sin? I'll tell you what Moses' sin was. Moses' sin was that after they had already uh, gotten, or actually, uh, when, when, when they wanted to get water from the rock, God told Moses, to speak to the rock. Mm-hmm. And Moses, out of his own anger and frustration with the people, smote the rock. Yes. Oh. So what happened was, it's a type of us smiting Jesus. It's a type of counting as nothing what he has done on the cross and what he's already paid for and being mm. angry and, and frustrated and us trying to represent our anger and frustration as being God's anger and frustration. It's a misrepresentation of God. And Moses, dis, dis, misrepresenting God, considering how much influence he had, mm-hmm. God was like, then, you know, then this, this journey is as far as you can go. Wow. Now, was God, was God mad at him? No. No. But, again, it's a type, so you don't want to read too much into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But every time we, number one, every time we go out there and we let our anger, our hatred for sin turn become an expression of hatred for sinners, we misrepresent God. But I'll tell you something else. Every time we make it like Jesus and what he's already done in the past isn't enough that something else has to happen. It's like smiting that rock. So this is, really is, comes full circle to how we started this thing. Yeah, because, it's Hebrews, you know, Hebrews 10, 25, 26, right there. He says, he says, for if we willfully sin, and this, and this is not just talking about in, all sin is willful, but this this is this is just 
willfulness where we're, we're really just trying to get our way. We're trying to express our point. We're trying to express our emotions. It's, you know, it's about how we want it. If I willfully sin, well, what is sin? Sin is to diminish, diminish God, diminish people, diminish the finished work of Jesus. And so, so if I do this willfully, and this is what preachers do when they beat their flock every week, mm-hmm. when they condemn them, and when they try to get them to look at what all's wrong with them, to get them to do right, do better, and, and come down to the altar and beg for forgiveness. In other words, come down here and let's smite the rock together. Mm-hmm. Come on down here, let's crucify Jesus afresh. That's what he said. He says, you crucify him afresh. And he says, there, he says, there remains nothing but a, but a fearful looking for of judgment or condemnation, which shall devour the adversary. Now, it doesn't say that that's what's hap- going to happen. It says that's what you start expecting. See, if we keep re-crucifying Jesus, now, re-crucifying Jesus is not just the fact that I did something wrong. Re-crucifying Jesus is where it's like what you did in the past wasn't enough. You know, I'm going to smite the rock. I've got to, there's got to be another resurrection. There's got to be another death. There's got to be, somebody else has got to pay this penalty because you paying it wasn't enough. And so here's what it says. It says, you have done despite unto the spirit of grace. You have, you have tread underfoot the blood of, the, of Jesus and counted it, counted it in the covenant as an unholy thing. So I don't want to be the guy that's standing here. You know, I can remember one time as a pastor. And, you know, I pastored for uh, almost 40 years, 30-something yeah. years. I can remember one time standing in the pulpit and really beating the people, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because I was so frustrated with them. Because, and, you know, God just dealt with me about it. And it's like, you know what? Uh, uh, if you can't inspire people to follow me, if this is all you've got, if you can't do this by inspiring people, then you're not qualified to do this job. Because, you know, the, we are supposed to be inspiring people to make this journey from Egypt to the promised land. Mm. And here's the deal. And this is, you know, some of you might remember me telling this story. You know, there was one time where I was just going through this incredible frustration. It's like, God, I'm, I'm doing everything I can in this situation I'm not beating the people now. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've learned my lesson. I'm not criticized. I'm not putting anybody down. And, and, and it, it, these people don't want to go. What do I do? Yeah. And God said, walk in front of them. I'm like, what do you mean walk in front of them? He said, that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd just walks in front of them. And I'm like, well, but what if they don't go? He said, then they're not my sheep. Hmm. He said, and, and this is where I developed this concept that said, a leader first and foremost, is a person that, first of all, is making a journey. Mm-hmm. Secondly, a leader is someone who, because he's making that journey, inspires other people to follow him. So if you're having to make people follow you, you're not inspiring them. Your life and your journey isn't an inspiration to them. If you're making a if you're making a journey and nobody's following, you're just taking a walk, but just keep making your journey, you know. Right. And so, so what I realized was this: Moses did not stop and try to get every straggler to catch up. He didn't stop. So I'm going to stop following the cloud by day, by by day and the fire by night. I'm going to stop right. I'm going to wait till all you guys get it right and come. With me. Moses did exactly what Jesus said. Jesus would say. 
Oh, you interested in what I got? Well, follow me because here I go. You either follow or you didn't follow. That was up to you. But it was never our job. It was never Moses' job. Jesus didn't do it. I can't do it as a minister to come back and say, I'm going to find some way, you know, since inspiration doesn't work and the promises of God don't work, I'm going to find some way to coerce you and pressure you into going where I'm going. Mm -mm. No, that's not that's ministry. That's not how he rolls. That's not, no. that's just not the heart of God. Oh. So <clears throat> we cannot misrepresent God. Well, well anytime we represent anything other than a finished work, hmm. then we are smiting the rock. Hmm. We are we are needing Jesus and come. We're basically, we're saying, what you did wasn't enough. Hmm. And so from that perspective, we have to understand something. Th that's not only true about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but to go to the foundation, we have to go back to creation. Hmm. Now, one of the things, and, and, and you know, actually, uh, I, I'm in kind of modified, we're not straight up negotiating yet, hmm. but we are talking, we, we've actually, we've actually got a bunch of people that want to invest in this. Uh, about a movie that we will do. And uh, right now, the working concept is the Christian secret, you know, because you remember the secret that came out years ago. And, right. Yes. You know, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to say we want to do what they're doing, but the concept is something that revolutionary. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that, one of the things that we'll be talking about in this is the, is one of the things that people absolutely miss. You know, we've talked about how the, our, the first pillar of faith is creation. Mm -hmm. Second pillar of faith, creation of man. Now, here's what we don't realize. There were two phases to creation. Mm -hmm. And the Hebrew even points this out in the different words that are very often always translated as created and that is you have to look at those words and you have to determine there is a, there is a, there's a concept of creation that this is the first time this has ever been done. There's a concept of creation that this is making something from nothing. Now, and once something has been done the first time, then, then it has a multiplication process in this, in, in, in this universe. Right, right. But then there's another word that sometimes is a, that we uh, make synonymous with creation, but it's not really cre it's not the word creation. It's not, it's not the first time something comes into being. It's where you are making something out of what was previously brought into being. Right, right. Yes. And yeah. we've talked about this. Yeah, I, I think, yes. yeah couple of episodes we were really it yeah. was very interesting yes but I, but we have to get into this to understand the limitless power of or, or excuse me the unlimited potential of how God created the earth because how God created the earth is really the first model of what God did for us in Jesus to do something on a past tense on a past tense yes. level that within that framework, we then have the right, the authority to do all kinds of things, not by asking God to do them for us, 
but by acting on what God has already done and what God told us making, we can do. Making something from what is already there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, and we, so some of this is review for people that listen mm-hmm. to this every week, but it's important review to, to start looking at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus differently, and also to start looking at what it means to have authority here on planet Earth. Delegated yes, authority. it is definitely worth talking about. Yeah. So, <clears throat> the first phase of creation was something from nothing. And I know this, this part is all review. Mm-hmm. God dwelt in eternity. There was no space. There was no time. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there there was no polarity because there wasn't any matter because you can't have matter without polarity. Mm-hmm. And um, so God could not create a material universe. Kind of see, we don't really think about God and creation as God having to observe the laws of physics and but but he does. Matter of fact, you know, one of the one of the creeds of heart physics is based on Romans 120 or 121, you know, where it says, where it says for, 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 the, for all of these things you can't see and understand about God, you can see them and understand them through what he's created. So God never departs from, first of all, the laws of physics, whereby all of all of the universe works, because if he did, then you couldn't see and know his his invisible attributes. If he, if he violated the laws of physics, because then he would be doing something that violates creation. Therefore, you, if it violates creation, it doesn't reveal God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that boy, people just can't get their heads around is this, and we've talked about this, a miracle is never when God violates exactly. the laws of physics. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In fact, sickness is when we violate the laws of physics. <laughs> there's a there's a mind bender for you. Poverty is when we violate the, the, the logos. Mm. In other words, mm. everything that goes wrong, everything that violates our life and makes our life less, Worry, and makes our life more anxiety, diminished, all of those things, all of that, yeah, it, that can only happen by us violating. The Logos. You know, Jesus is called the Logos, and the Logos gets into more than just the fact that, you know, this is not like just a, a nickname for Jesus. This is a word that's like, like Jesus is the logic. He is the wisdom. He is the consistency. He is the way that all things came together. It was around, it was around this logic, this wisdom, this consistency. And so everything in the created world God had to create the laws of physics in order for this world to exist. Mm-hmm. So the first phase of creation was to, to do what I call, he had to create the field, which is the universe. And he had to infuse into that field his logos, his wisdom. And his logos and wisdom uh, uh, entails all of the laws of physics all of the laws that makes it possible to have time, space, and matter. And so, and so all these laws of physics were infused into the world. You know, wisdom in the book of Proverbs says, I was there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know what the New Agers call the universal intelligence. That's the wisdom of God. Yeah, it's, it's yes. there. It's not God. Mm-hmm. It's the universal wisdom of God. 
And so, and so he, he infused all of these things in here. And so then basically, based on the teachings of Jesus, based on several things where God, God is like, now, I'm going to record how I do all of this so that you, so when I give you authority of this realm, you will know exactly hmm. what to do. Hmm. I'm going to show you what harmonizing with what I have created can do. And so what does he do? He conceives in his heart, according to the Hebrew language, he conceives in his heart each one of the outcomes that he wants to create, what it looks like, what it will be like. And this is what the Hebrew language uh, uh, indicates. And then when he spoke, he spoke with the intention, the full expectation that what he had conceived in his heart would be what would come together out here in this physical world. Hmm. And as we talked about before, anytime you see the word good anywhere, particularly in the Old Testament, yeah. but it's pretty much true in the New Testament, it always represents the concept of harmony. Harmony, yes. And so when he says, God said, let there be light. He saw that the light was good. In other words, that thing that I conceived in my heart and spoke into being, it has come, in, it has come to pass exactly as I have conceived it in my heart. Hmm. And 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 so this was what Jesus taught us in Mark 11. He said, this is the faith of God. You know, we think he was teaching, just telling us about how to, you know, how to get a mountain to move. Well, how, how to get a mountain to move is exactly the process that God used to create all things. Now, here's a here's here's where religion sneaks in here now. Okay. Okay. You know, Jesus said, you know, uh, uh, if you, you know, if you believe in your heart, you know, believe what you say will come to pass and you speak this mountain, say, you know, move and you believe, no doubt in your heart, it will be done for you. Now there is a phrase that religion puts in there that is not there, but, but remember we got to diminish man, religion, mm -hmm. the world systems is you, we can't let you believe you are who God says you are. Cause if you do, then, then we can't control you. We can't control the economy. We can't control your health. We can't make you codependent suckers who buy into all these lies that we tell you. So we're going to just insert a little phrase. Okay. And you know what that phrase is? If you believe it in your heart and doubt not and say to this mountain, be thou removed, cast in the sea. Here's the phrase I insert. God will do it for you. Right. That's not what it says. That's not what it implies. That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus didn't say, go pray for God to heal the sick. He said, go heal the sick. Mm -hmm. But that completely shakes our entire, Whoa. Uh, like how we've always thought <laughs> and, and how everyone that we like in the last we couple just, of years. Listen, we just lost. Half of our audience because they had to run to the bathroom with diarrhea. <laughs> just, just so upset everything in their system. Because it sounds like you're saying, oh, go wait a minute. You're buying into the whole new age things that we are. God. Well, let me tell you something. I, we're not gods in the sense that, that like religious. But, you know, the Bible does say in Psalm 82, it says, what's wrong with you? He said, did I not say you were gods? Remember, that's the thing that everybody, that's, that's the thing that finally said, we're going to kill Jesus. 
Jesus quoted Psalm 82, where he said, <laughs> did he not say we were gods? And he's not talking about being gods that are worshipped and that kind of thing. No. But in other words, he's, being, he's saying as far as authority goes, I have the right to do these things because wow. I am here as the son of man and God has given me this authority. Jesus didn't beg God to do stuff. Jesus didn't, didn't pray for God. You know, I got news for you. The hundreds of storms, tornadoes, and things like that, that I have stopped in my life. Mm -hmm. I never asked God to do it. I just looked at it, and my heart knew what it would look like when it stopped, spoke to it, and it stopped. Done it hundreds of times. But, does that mean, uh-oh, Hooch is like, hey, man, brother. <laughs> he liked that. Hooch, he, he, he Hooch liked that. loved that. He's, he's cheering you on. He's That's going, right. That's right. I've seen it. So, so, but, but, okay, so where's, and see, people, I've had people over here say, well, okay, so, so then you don't need God. Well, really? Really? That, that's like saying that because you can masturbate, you don't need to get married. Right, right. I mean, I'm not trying to be crass. I'm just oh, yeah. saying that, that to me, that's the equivalent. So, yeah. like, you don't need a wife? Well, I mean, right. what? Are you kidding me? What? Yeah. Because here, here's the thing. First of all, Man, I overflow in praise and thanksgiving to God. Why? Because this is the system he created, yes. and he told us how to operate in this yes. system. Yes, yes, he does. He, he was good. He See, in potential, something about in Isaiah where it says, before you call on me, I'll answer. Man, I thought about that verse for decades. <laughs> and I think there are so many levels and layers to that verse, but stop thinking about it. One of the... One of the levels and layers of that verse is I've already answered this. I've already put the potential for everything you need, first of all, in the, in, in the physical world, in the universe, and then spiritually in Jesus. I've already, I've already answered it. Every prayer, every prayer you're going to ever pray. And remember, the primary concept for praying is not trying to get God to do it. The primary concept for praying is binding and loosing. Hmm. See, we forget that. Re religion taught us. Religion taught us to quote the Lord's Prayer and ignore everything he said about how to do it. I mean, everything we're taught about prayer ignores everything that Jesus said before we get into the Lord's Prayer. You don't need to be praying for money. It's not going to be based on how long, how hard you pray. You know, da, 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 da. don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then we, what do we do? We ignore that part and turn the Lord's Prayer into everything a, Jesus said not to do. Yeah. A system, a length of time, everything that that is. Yeah. So, and see, here's the sad thing is the New Agers and other people, they operate in these laws and they work, but they don't give God the credit. Mm -hmm. And so then Christians who are really just as corrupt as, as New Agers as far as God goes, they, they, they look at this, okay, well, since they use it and do that, then this is of the devil. No, the devil didn't create anything. God, the devil has nothing to do with creation. He didn't put any of these laws into place. And the question is, when you operate in these laws, who do you give the credit to? That's what determines if it's of God or the devil. So God created a universe. A beautiful system. A beautiful. Beautiful system. Yes. 
And then, of course, what he did in Christ, too, as far as, as, far as the spiritual aspect of it. Right. And he says, now, I have provided proactively, preemptively, yeah. everything you are ever going to need for life and godliness. Everything. everything. And I, in potential, I have put everything there so that every prayer, remember, prayer is not begging him to do it. No, prayer, he's already answered. Prayer. He's already answered every single yeah. prayer we will ever pray. Yeah. And, and you know, remember the word "ask" in the Greek is not a "ask" to see if it's going to happen. It is an no. "ask" with the assumption that it has happened, that it is there. So I put everything here so that when you pray the way I teach you to pray, when you use authority the way I've taught you to use authority, when you operate the faith of God the way Jesus taught you to operate the faith of God, the answer is already there. Hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna step up and do anything. So you say, well, okay, then, then why do we need God? I'll tell you why. Because He teaches us, He comforts us. Yes. You know, He 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 loves us. Yeah. He He brings us into personal, intimate wholeness. Yes. Uh, he and He is our only access to eternity. Yeah. As far as eternity with Him, right? With this qual with this quality of life, right? So I'm, I'm, I understand why people struggle with this. Yes. But this, how else could God have said to the children of Israel, mm, you are the ones that limited me? Because the only other option is, for some reason, he would have limited, I wasn't willing. Yeah, right. I limited you. For some reason, God <clears throat> limited himself and try, just chose... This just brings the big answer to all the quote unquote unanswered prayer situations. Yep. Because, yep. you know, why would, when you started this podcast, you said, we don't, we, we, when we pray, we say, God, you're a liar. Like how you started, you know, in the dramatic yep. sentences. Like, but the thing is, is that why, oh, why would he choose to heal some people and not others? Yeah. Like, that's so sad. Yep. Why, if he was in control of everything, why did Hitler come to power? Right. If he's in control of everything, you know, why Why right now all over the world are Christians being burned alive and beheaded and nobody cares? News media won't even report on it. <coughs> so we've got to understand, man, this is tough. This is a level of responsibility and, and you can condemn yourself with this, you know. Um, I hope you don't. But this means that uh, when I'm sick, I need to be pursuing putting on the, the healing that Christ provided at the cross. And until I do, I'm probably just limiting God in some way in my life. I'm disqual I disqualify myself. I don't feel good enough. You know, I believe what religion told me. Actually, in the book of Hebrews, you know, you know, God God de describes the process whereby the children of Israel, and we'll talk about the whole process that they went through and what they could have done, and what they some of them eventually did do to enter into the promised land. So, but you know, Hebrews brings this limiting God down to one thing. Because, you know, when Hebrews, the first, what, three or four chapters of Hebrews where it talks about entering into rest, mm -hmm. it is comparing 
the children of Israel enter into the promised land. Yes, this place yes. of rest. This, this place calming you rest of Yeah. And in that rest, you experience of all of God's pr- provision. That's, yeah, that's the you know, quality. I, I was reading Hebrews the other day from the in the Passion yep. Translation. The quality of life that they, they keep calling it the calming rest of God. Yep. Like that's the promise. So Hebrews just brings us down to one thing: mm-hmm. they could not enter in because of unbelief. Right. Exactly. Unbelief. You know, I always tell people everybody's living by faith. And everything you've got in your life right now, you have in your life because of faith. Mm-hmm. You believe something destructive or you believe something healthy. You believe the promise mm-hmm. of God. You believe the fear of the, a threat of the world, whatever. Mm-hmm. But everything everything's happening in your life today is happening on some level because of faith. And so, the, you know, the, the faith movement beat people up for not having enough faith. And I, I know where, I see where they were coming from because really, I wish they had define that a little bit better and said faith in God, you know, trust in God. And, and, you know, you know, they really though took faith to the place of just, you're not believing for your miracle, mm-hmm. but really no the problem is you didn't really know who God was. And, right. and plus they were, they were sending a conflicted message about who God was because, yes. you know, out of one side of their mouth, that's telling you about the promises of God. On the other side of the mouth, it's telling you all the way God would kill you if you didn't do right. Right. There and was that tr- those extremes, but then but but then Hebrews talks about how faith is the activator. Like yeah. faith activates the promises of God. Oh, exactly. And so and so I, I have to realize that maybe rather than using terms like I don't have enough faith, maybe we should be using terms like I have faith in other things. Mm. Like I have a deep belief that I am not qualified. Well, that I makes a, it that takes huge amounts of personal responsibility because you oh, are yeah. because you are having faith. Yeah. You're having faith in in the the worst case scenarios yeah. at some times. Yeah, I, I I have faith that um, the devil is stronger than Jesus. I I have I have faith. That uh, uh, that God, that this world is more powerful than God, and He can't violate these laws, these laws of physics. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these things that we have faith in that become the limiters, the restrictions to what the limitless power of God that operates in this unlimited universe and this unlimited salvation that we have through the resurrection of Jesus, but we have faith in other things more than we have faith in these eternal things. And that limits in our heart Mm -hmm. what we will let God do. And if faith is truly an activator, then our faith is either activating in that or that. It's either Our faith is either activating all the worst case scenarios and all the negatives Yep. Or our faith is activating the high quality yep. promise of this beautiful system we live in that we can be part of that God created for us. I, I you know, jump, just jumping in here, you know, even yeah. the even the disciple says, "Lord, help my unbelief." Yeah, it's all right to admit your unbelief. Yeah, help my unbelief. I'm not able to see this the way that you see it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not able to get beyond you know, where I'm at mm-hmm. right now. So Lord, help me, you know, here in this place of my unbelief. 
Well, religion will either... And, you know, one of the things about the faith movement, oh, man, the faith movement, you know, the faith movement kind of was like, if you ever admit to a problem, then you're an unbelief. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so you're, you were never allowed to own anything, which means if you don't own it, which is, that's what, conf, you know, confession more than saying it is owning it. Yeah, exactly. And if you can't own it, you can't get over it. You can't. I can remember... I can, matter of fact, I can remember when I used to do all these meetings with these big name faith preachers. I can remember sitting in the back room talking about them, and they would they would say something in the back room, that, and but they would say, "But I will never say that publicly." And matter of fact, I had a guy come up to me. I was I was speaking in a big Assembly uh, of God church back a few years ago, and uh, and I was talking about when I was in this bad accident in two thousand five, which ended up with me becoming a diabetic, ended up with me having to have about, I don't know, five or six operations, nearly dying two or three times, going blind and all that stuff, you know. And, and I said, you know, I said, here's the deal. I said, I mismanaged myself. And I said, the night before I left on that trip, I worked nearly all night because I had all these things, these deadlines I had to meet. I said, so the next day, when I, when I drove a little ways, and I, and I told Brenda, I said, Brenda, I need for you to drive, but just I just want you to drive about an hour, because I'm the king of power naps. I can sleep, you know, 20 minutes and go three more hours. And I've just trained myself to do that. And so I said, I said, I want you to drive, but don't about an hour, and I want you to wake me up. And so she got over to drive, and so I went over and, you know, got my seat all leaned back, and I got relaxed. You know how just... As you're going to sleep, man, sometimes now that you're not controlling all of your thoughts, you hear what God's saying in your heart. I heard it just as I was going off sleep. Don't do this. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew that she would drive longer than an hour to try to help me out and we'd be in a wreck. But here was the problem. I was so physically tired that when I had that sense, I could not pull myself out right, of sleep. Right, right, right. And my next, it was like I blinked my eyes, and the next thing I knew, I was feeling the car slide out of control, and 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 get. We had a head-on accident, sixty-five miles an hour. Wonder didn't kill everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I told that story. And I said, "Look, I said there's never been a time in my life ever if I would go back and search my heart, never." that I haven't mm-hmm. been able to identify exactly when God warned me, don't do this. Man, I will never forget this guy. He, he pastored Assembly of God Church. Great guy. Really, really great guy. But, but after his Assembly of God training, then he took a lot of courses at, at Rayma. And he came up to me afterwards. He said, Jim, he said, you know, he said, man, that was just one of the most incredible messages I ever heard. He said, but I've never seen anybody get up and admit <laughs> That it, you know, that it was your personal responsibility. You were the one that made the thing. And I said, "Well, why wouldn't you?" He said, "Well, I was always taught you don't, you don't ever do that, you know." And uh, you know, we had quite don't a show that weakness, or don't yeah, don't show that weakness, don't or don't miss. Know, it, it's almost like you're misrepresenting God if if you do something like that. Like, well, what you're really doing is you think that people will trust you more if you present yourself as flawless. I'd rather people to see all my flaws and go, you know what, man, he's an idiot sometimes, but you know what, God still uses him and <laughs> blesses him, and he still gets up, overcomes, and he still, he still, you know, makes his journey through this. Because I want those people to look around at their life and go, you know what, man, if God can use somebody that's made as many mistakes as this guy's made, hey, there's hope for me. <laughs>
So, one of the things that we believe. Yes. We believe that this journey, after we get after we come out of Egypt and cross the Red Sea, we believe this journey is supposed to be hard. Right. And and if we do occasionally look back at the children of Israel and their journey, we say, well, look, they were in the wilderness 40 years. So why should I expect that it wouldn't be that way for me? So we create a theology. Here, you got to understand something. Remember, we've talked about this. The ego is the is your false sense of identity. Your ego is your sense of identity that's based on your accomplishments, but more than anything, based on you being right. So the intellectual mind in any challenging situation always seeks to preserve the ego because that's your false, that's your false sense of identity. But your heart is always trying to protect your identity in Christ. So... <clears throat> So, in the egos, you know, God asked Job a question. I've asked hundreds of thousands of people this question over the years, and because uh, I got, an, I think, an, one of the most, I think one of the most incredible series probably ever taught on the book of Job is called "The Truth About Job: Why Bad Things Happen to Good People." And uh, you know, uh, I, I always say this: you know, Job and his friends rambled for like thirty-eight chapters. Mm-hmm. And we extract all kinds of worthless <laughs> theology from those. We stand at the graveside and say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Why? Because Job said it. Because those guys said it, you know. And, and all of this was about them trying to find fault with God and Job trying to justify himself. And so God finally says, you get over, I don't remember, it's in 38 or 40 right in there. And so God says, so let me ask you this, Job. Would you condemn me? Would you blame me in order that you might remain righteous? In other words, righteous in your own eyes. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, yes, yes, I have. We all struggle with that. We all want to be right. And we are all on some level willing to destroy God's reputation to preserve ours. So when we get in these situations, where things are not working according to the promises of God, we create, and I talk about this in my book on, on taking them to God, we create a phrase I coined, you know, 40 years ago, circumstance theology. And circumstance theology is when I look at the Bible and the Bible promises me this, and I ain't got it working in my life, and my ego says, we can't do, mm -mm. you can't be wrong uh -uh. no no you gotta look good man you're a preacher you, you gotta look good for the people you gotta look good in front of your kids so here just think about this consider this theology consider that maybe since the children now ignore the fact that they disobey god ignore the fact that they put god on trial ignore all the issues that, that god clearly says this is why this is what they believed in their heart and this is why this is why they couldn't enter in ignore everything that god said about about how and why they limited god ignore that and go hell oh, think about this it's in the bible that they wondered for 40 years so you got to wonder for 40 years. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to believe that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that's, not, that's deep. That's, yeah. You always tell people, you know, manure's deep. don't mean you want to step in it. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you ever worked on a farm, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, just because it's deep don't mean I want to step into it. And if you don't know how to swim, you better not jump into the deep water either. You know, uh, anytime, and I used to tell our Bible school students this, anytime you take the obscure in the Word of God, and attempt to explain away the obvious, you are deceiving yourself and everybody's listening to you. And that, you know, that's what these fake grace preachers are doing. That's what so many of these different movements do. They pick some little obscure point and try to explain away and discredit the obvious. Well, here's the obvious. All the promises of God are mine in Jesus. Here's the obvious. I am delivered from all the curses of the law. Here's the obvious. I am qualified for the inheritance of the kingdom of life. Here is the obvious. Satan is a defeated foe. Here is the obvious. All things that pertain to life and godliness are mine. Here's the obvious. Before you call on me, I'll answer. These are obvious. Mm. And there ain't but one thing that'll make me not grab onto them, and that is unbelief that is rooted in my need to preserve my ego. Mm -hmm. And it's a chosen unbelief. I mean, I realize every now and then people are lazy. They don't read the Bible for themselves. They don't have a prayer life. They don't connect. So there's a a level of ignorance there, but it's still willful ignorance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just, just that need to figure everything out, what's going on in my life, what's going on in my family, my marriage, my mm-hmm. on and on. And if, if, if I can't get it right, then God must be trying to fix something or trying to teach me something or this is happening because, and, and I, the projection of blame, now I'm going to put it back on God. And this brings us right back to the very beginning of, of, of today's podcast where we believe that Luciferian lie that God's not good, and that but keep keep. I mean, mind. he might that's, be that's, good, but yeah, not all the time, and not in this situation. Exactly. But see, that's the second level. We got God's room. That's the second layer. The first layer is, I don't believe who I am, according to God's word, and I got and so I got to protect my ego. Yeah. And then we go. Then, then we jump into that second layer of everything you just said. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know that people consciously connect no. the dots on that. And well, and they just no. create a a, a, re, a form, a religion of yep. how do I compartmentalize what's going on inside of my life mm-hmm. where I'm still okay. You know, uh, <clears throat> I've said this many times over many decades, if there was only one thing I could preach and teach for the rest of my life, it would probably be the identity of the believer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because all of it comes together. Mm -hmm. Everything, believing truth about God, all of it comes together around who Mm -hmm. am I in light of how God created me Mm -hmm. and in light of what Jesus did for me. And I'll tell you, when you settle that, I have spent the last... uh, 40 years on a deliberate, habitual path of always persuading my heart who I am in every situation Mm -hmm. so that I Mm -hmm. do not have to protect Mm -hmm. my fragile ego. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. And I'd say that my, you know, and, and in so many different ways do we do that, but to protect our identity is to just really be in agreement with Jesus yep. is the only one that's allowed mm-hmm. to tell me who I am. And when, once, once that is established, everything changes because then walking yep. in love becomes easy and, um, and life becomes great. And, yep. and, and we don't have to believe that this journey is supposed to be hard. That, yep. And that's, that's what you were saying is that, you know, we really, God made this a beautiful system where we are to live and love and be a light. Yeah. Yep. And just in completely removing yourself from that place of lack. And I know that we'll go further in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. Like yep. laying this foundation today is so cool because we're going to talk about, you know, then we then we can believe in 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 the in the true identity that we have, but then we can believe what God has for us as far as being limitless. Yep. You know what really impacted me today was when you said that we always are having faith. We're having yeah. faith in something. We're either believing, yeah. faith, you know, we don't have a lack of faith. It's what are Your we, faith always works. Your faith is always working. <laughs> and so the fruit of what your life is right this minute is a, just a direct sign of where you've put your faith. Mm. Yeah. Good. Okay. Audrey, thank you. Jim, thank you so Jim, much. Jim, you have really oh, been amazing. I've so appreciated your your faith and your energy and yep. your communication and your your willingness to take time to do this with oh, us. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I love I love to rather do this with you guys than anybody I know. Oh, you're so sweet. Oh my gosh. Good. I love it. Also, you know, unlimited God. He is so unlimited. So, and I really do encourage you, even though we're going through this series, uh, go to Impact Ministries. Uh, we'll put a link there also at Live Transform. And, uh, take the limit. Taking get, the limits get, off taking God. Taking the limits off God. A six-part uh, teaching series, I think, that will really help you, you know, propel yep. you forward yep. and uh, just, just help you know, just remove those obstacles that are within your own heart and life. Thanks again, Jim. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, everyone. We sure Mm -hmm. love doing life with all of you. See Mm -hmm. you next time. Bye-bye.